Welcome back to Six Pennies Podcasts. You have myself, Albert. You have Jonathan Mock and Timmy Chu. We have all six pennies on the podcast tonight. How are hey you guys yo. feeling? Finally. Yeah. We are going to do a pocket change episode today. For those who don't know what pocket change is, it's kind of like a mailbag. Sometimes when we run giveaways or have questions, people provide us feedback and potential topics to talk about. And that's really what we do with Pocket Change. I think Mock likes to say, throw some change on it. So we're going to do that today. Before we get started, though, we wanted to shout out our amazing sponsors, most notably Avion Realty. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Avion Realty. If you're a real estate agent and located in Houston, Dallas, or anywhere in Texas for that matter, Look at Avion Realty to provide you the support and infrastructure you need to be a successful real estate agent. They've actually completely revamped and redone their website. It's A-V-I-G-N-O-N Realty.com. That's A-V-I-G-N-O-N Realty.com. Brand new website. You can contact Coach Van Den directly at 469-951-3585. That's 469-951-3585. 3585. If you don't want to text them or call them, check out the website, check out their Facebook. And if you mention Six Pennies Podcast, they're going to waive that first month's brokerage fee. Again, if you want to be a real estate agent or if you already are a real estate agent, give Avion Realty a call. Okay, so like Albert mentioned, today is going to be a pocket change episode. So let's throw some change. You guys ready? Yeah, let's do it. We have three questions today. They all go pretty far back. We gave away a really good prize. I believe these were the AirPods last year, maybe. Uh, nice. But our boy Shelby, he gave us about three dozen questions on his own. Uh, so this podcast is all going to be uh, Shelby questions today. The first one. He won, it, right? He did end up winning. So yeah. the, he deserves it. Yeah, he deserves it. The method worked. His first question, what style of coaching is generally the most effective. You have your fire and brimstone coaches or your more relaxed and laid back coaches. I guess we can go with any sport that comes to mind at first, uh, but Timmy, let's start with you. What do you think? Uh, well, you guys know I'm gonna go straight to my favorite sport. Um, we're gonna talk football. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding, just kidding, come on. You got only gonna talk. It's only basketball. Uh, I'm gonna go with, uh, for some reason, the only coaches that are coming to mind are, are laid-back coaches right now. I'm thinking of the Phil Jackson types. I'm thinking of uh, Steve Kerr sitting on the bench. I'm thinking of our our old our old friend Kevin McHale sitting there doing nothing. I guess that's not the best <laughs> example, but I don't know why that's that's the one that's coming to mind right now. What about you, uh, Albie? Why don't you go? Man, you guys hate Kevin McHale. He was really <laughs> bad. He was. He really, just really he bad. just sat there. Like my my lasting impression of him. I don't know why it's. He's just shrugging his shoulders and going, oh, I don't know. I don't know if he ever did that. Shrugging his shoulders, his hands in the air. I don't know if he ever did that, but for some reason, that's what he is to me. I think you're right, though. For the most part, I would like to, if I'm going back on multiple sports from football, basketball, baseball, it's it's really the reserved guys. It's all about preparation and team cohesiveness and, and having a really good plan before, during, and after the game. And I think those are the best coaches. And honestly, most people don't really react well to the fire and brimstone, yell-in-your-face type of coaching. Yeah, because I guess, like, if even if I go to, like, Pop or, like, I don't know, Belichick or something, they're kind of, like, just chilling most of the game because they have that game plan already. Yeah, I think the biggest difference, at least nowadays, is 
maybe we're talking professional versus college sports. Uh, college sports, I think, is where coaches can kind of get away with that more, maybe, than on a professional level, where, I mean, these guys are getting paid more than the coaches, and maybe they won't respect the coach if, if he keeps yelling at them. Uh, I think Thibodeau, you just hear stories of kind of his whole rants and everything growing on players, uh, getting tired of it. But when you think of football coaches, I guess you could say, like Nick Saban, he's kind of known for yelling and getting into his players on the sideline, but that seems to work for him. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess I'm just trying to think of like those different types of coaches, and I, I guess you see like a lot of, of those styles come out in all of them, but I, I feel like the one that that is like the lasting memory of those great coaches. Sometimes they'll show like a clip of a coach doing, you know, something talking about something great in the huddle. It's like the, the personable coach, somebody who's not just like friends with the players or something, but can connect with them on a real level. So um, somebody like a doc rivers, for example, I kind of imagine him just like in the huddle, like talking to everyone, like they're his boys. And I don't know. I feel like those are the coaches that, that connect somebody like Rudy T. I don't know, but going back in the day. Yeah. The, I guess the more quotable ones, but it's just a very thin line, like you mentioned. Like it's a thin line when you're watching the coach, coach, and between knowing he's relaxed and laid back, and versus literally just sitting there not doing anything, right? Like you're yeah. Mikhail's, and some would argue you're D'Antoni's. <laughs> I feel like I mean are we just, another. Are we layer, just talking about the Rockets coaches? <laughs> another layer, not only like professional college. But even like high school, like high level, you know, like AAU type of basketball, I feel like the players are just more entitled now in the 2000, 2019 than it was, you know, like 30, 40 years ago, where coaches and I guess teachers, things of that nature are, are more respected and they can be fiery and uh, people are not as sensitive. Whereas now if, you know, if a coach really goes into a player, I mean, it is like, disheartening to see but at the same time like it was probably the norm you know growing up in the 70s and 80s and so um i just think that climate change people are a lot more sensitive and things are a lot more accessible so everyone has to be more careful yeah after bob knight and then you know other examples of of other coaches you see like that but i think it comes down to like either you're either like a a player's coach or you're or you're not it feels like those are the the two biggest options but I don't know why the one guy I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm trying to figure out what he is, is uh, Mark Jackson <laughs> when he was coaching the Warriors. Do you think he was just uh, speaking in like euphemisms the whole time? Like <laughs> just <laughs> just making up phrases and yelling them. Hand um, down, man down. Just hand down, all man the stuff down. he says in the <laughs> broadcast booth. <laughs> what did he say in, the, in, a, in a huddle? I can't even imagine. You're right. He was though. a good defensive coach. Yeah, I also think he's a good coach. But, Timmy, you, you bring up a good point because players coach versus non-players coach, it's almost like um, it doesn't matter. Let's say you have a team, and I'm going to just throw out the Dallas Cowboys there. You know, for the longest time they had Bill Parcells and they were successful, but he was definitely a, a no-nonsense, very hard-nosed type coach. And I think it wore the locker room thin and so everyone wanted a player's coach to replace him. So then you replace him with a Wade Phillips, who is happy-go-lucky, all about the player. Let's put the player in a position to succeed, things like that. And then you ru that runs its course, and then you need the exact opposite after that. It's, yeah. it's like regime after regime has to be the com complete counteract of the previous one. 
the more I think about it, it's kind of like the presidency. Oh, nice. Or you can just uh, just get a really bad coach and keep him forever like Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Jeez, you are Freaking throwing Houston. all these people Oof. under the bus. <laughs> oh, boy, Houston sports. Here we go. Yeah, that is a very good call. I, I wish we didn't bring him up on this podcast. It's kind of <laughs> depressing to think about it. Uh, but real quick, just for kind of my own benefit, of the major sports leagues in, in America, so baseball, basketball, hockey, and I guess football, of those four, could you guys rank how important a coach is in each of those sports? Yeah, I was about to say, like, I, I don't know any of the managers for baseball. That's probably because I don't watch enough baseball, but I, I just I, sometimes I don't really know what they do. They just you, they cut to a view of them sitting there. And Timmy. Yeah, I just don't know. They're just sitting there chewing tobacco and they come out and yell <laughs> and then they just walk right back and, and they're done. To answer Mock's question, I actually. Well, it depends, right? It depends how you 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 view the question. Is it more pregame, more in-game, or more like, you know, like practice or whatever? But in-game to me by far is baseball managers. And then the rest is two, three, and four. Hmm. So you think baseball. I think, uh, well, I mean, I think, I, yeah, I think their decisions, especially in big moments, play a bigger integral part into the, the outcome of a game as opposed to basketball and football, for sure. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, yes, I, I definitely think that they make a lot of key decisions that are very important in terms of strategy. And a lot of times it's like a simple, like, not simple, but it's like kind of you do one thing or the other, or you have a kind of a, a couple ranges of options. I just, you, you just don't see them really doing it as much. Whereas if you look at like, even like football and basketball too, like basketball is so dominated by just the talent of the players whether or not they're following the coach's direction the talent of the players often wins out and then for football it's often the the plays that they've practiced and they have in their playbook that they're choosing to run which is oftentimes not like impacted by the coach on a day-to-day basis so i can see what you mean by baseball i i know nothing about hockey though yeah we'll, we'll stick with the top three so so you think it's football timmy or, oh, or I don't, basketball i don't i don't know now that i think about it, what i don't know what any coaches do so, so of the of your major or of your favorite teams, let, let's say you're also a baseball and football fan. Like, which sport would you most want to have a good coach in? Uh, how about you go first? For me, it is. I think it's football, hands down. But again, I'm I'm looking at it just holistically, uh, not just in game, but also you know before the game, in game yeah. adjustments. Uh, you have, I mean, they're the ones who are supposed to, you know, teach the whole playbook to the players, uh, be, have them in the right positions to succeed. And you just kind of look at the landscape of the league, right? Like, yeah, there's different teams winning it, you know, every year other than the Patriots over and over. But all those guys is always going to be the top coaches up there. Yeah. It, whereas so, in baseball, it's, it's kind of the talent is more spread out. And in basketball, like you mentioned, you know, most of the time, at least, the teams with the most talent are the ones that make it the furthest. Good argument. I'll be going to give one more argument before I make my decision. Um, I mean, yeah, if you look at holistically, I, I, I feel like you can actually make a case for any of the three major sports. I would, I would say the interesting tidbit here is how big of a difference professional is versus collegiate. Because mm. if you ask me about college sports, True. And to, then to me, it's, it's definitely like 
I'm not going to say it, but it's definitely one of them above the others. Whereas professional is, um, I think you can make a case for all of it. I mean, for, for, I think for like, I mean, just looking from my, like at my teams, I feel like the Mavs have won with bad coaches in the past and, and lost with good coaches. So it's, I think it, for basketball is, is not number one for football. It's more of like, it's not, it's not only the coach, but it's like the infrastructure. It's also their assistant coaches, the staff, their yeah. talent. Like it's, yeah. I guess, I guess if you're talking about professional football, the NFL, it's more of a team. It's not one guy. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like if you're going into the college ranks, a lot of it goes into recruiting too, which isn't the same nationally or for not, uh, professional leagues as much. Because the coach still has so much more say um, in the recruiting portion, so I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go football. Uh, sorry, Alvi. I think. Football. Yeah, I think from even like the clock management is such a big deal with football, like managing your timeouts, choosing obviously the plays, but like figuring out whether you should be, you know, going going for it on fourth down or or punting or kicking a field goal or whatever. Like those are all big decisions too. I think which which can rival strategy wise with baseball, and then just all the other stuff that they have to manage too. But I do see your point. Like there are a lot of eyes on the field. You know, there's the guys in the booth that are calling plays. So I, I can see how it's a good argument for both, but overall I'm going with mock this time. Uh, so we're screwed with Bill O'Brien confirmed. Yes. yes that's <laughs> okay. Well, that was the first question. Second question I'm throwing you guys uh, kind of a curveball has nothing to do with our previous question. <laughs> what are your thoughts on organic foods? <laughs> are the claims made against and for organic foods valid? I, I don't know how to tackle this, so I'll just lob it up to you, Albert. What do you think? Um, do, you, do you eat any organic? So, I mean, yeah, we do organic and some non-GMO and all that kind of stuff. But the the caveat to all of that is what is considered organic is actually not that much like of a difference compared to regular food. I don't know the exact rules. So let's just say like regular food is, and I'm just throwing out arbitrary numbers, is 85% healthy. Organic is like 87%. And it's maybe that, you know, that small difference is a big difference. But, you know, sometimes you paying the premium is not worth it. But with that being said, now with a baby and now with, you know, Amelia, we make sure that she, we're going to start cooking with organic type ingredients uh that's how they get you that's how they get you in the door man with the baby <laughs> timmy you you feeding your your baby organic too um he eats whatever we eat so it's a it's a mix of both um i think organic actually has quite a few regulations around it uh, depending on whether it's meat or produce uh and a produce you don't use pesticides or certain things that can't be used there um meats a lot of times is uh, in regards to, like genetic engineering and just like the animals are raised organically. So I think there are some definitions for those. I, I don't think the organicness or the whether an item is organic or not is necessarily beneficial depending on the item it is. So um, for certain fruits and vegetables, I know you definitely should be getting organic things because they don't have the protection on the outside that um, can keep away pesticides. Uh -huh. So for example, like lettuce or like uh, leafy greens, those you should get organic. Strawberries too, because they don't have like an outer peel or anything. But like organic bananas, you, you don't really need. They have such a strong peel on the outside that like it, it protects it anyway. 
I, I think like meats, it's probably better to get like organic chicken just because there's so many like hormones injected in regular chickens, but mm. we still kind of do some of, some of both just depending on how expensive it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that being said, I mean, the, uh, maybe like the natural thing is, is what um, you're referring to in terms of there's there's no guidelines for natural like you can say almost anything is all natural it really means nothing in terms of either the ingredients the way the product was sourced or in the benefits so i think organic definitely has regulations natural not so much and there's all sorts of other claims that you can make on foods yeah i think when we when my family goes to the grocery store it's all about price point for us uh so i think the only thing we always get organic for it are eggs and then everything else is kind of up in the air depending on you know how cheap it is compared to the not non-organic version is that a why word? do you get why do you get organic eggs but not organic chicken uh that is a good question i i don't have a logical answer for that <laughs> it's because they think... only cost 30 cents more so it's more reasonable <laughs> I think my my mom had a lot to do with it. I think she kind of ingrained in us the past decade, like how bad regular eggs are for you. Uh, I'm sure it's hmm. not true, uh, but we just heard it so much. We were like, okay, fine, we'll get organic eggs. Um, wow. But again, obviously can't tell the difference. We still get whatever the Costco chicken is. I don't even know if that's organic or not. Probably Ooh, not. Yeah, don't get that Costco. The rotisserie chicken? No, not the rotisserie. The, oh, like, oh. the yeah, like the twenty pack of chicken breast. Got it. Costco chicken's amazing. Five dollars, yeah. what a deal! Even though it's not organic. I mean, it's a, it's an amazing deal. Yeah, but true. but there's also <laughs> chicken shouldn't be that large. <laughs> I don't know. I would I would just say if there's any advice here, I, I would probably say to get organic, like berries, strawberries in particular, uh, and then leafy greens. That that's all I know is uh, pretty important. That's a good call. I, I did not think of that in terms of the outer casing with, with bananas and other fruits that don't have it. So I'll keep that in mind next time. But really, all this talk about organic food is getting me kind of hungry. Albert, you want to tell the people about Tasty Tales Richardson, Texas? Yes, Tasty Tales Richardson, Texas. Michelle wanted me to point out that they still have live crawfish. I know it's not in season. It's July, but they do have their own farm out in California where they raise wow. their crawfish. So they wow. have live, never frozen crawfish all year round. Check out Tasty Tales and Richardson. If you mention Six Pennies podcast, you can get fifteen percent off your entire bill. It's amazing food, amazing drink specials, and the people are great. They're open late on the summers. I think it's like at least till midnight. And if you again, if you say hi to Michelle and you mention us, you're gonna get a great discount. Tasty Tales Richardson, one of our best sponsors. Thank you guys. Yes, every time I'm up there now, I always try to make a stop at Tasty Tales and Richardson. I don't want to jump from organic foods discussion just yet. I have a kind of follow-up question for both of you guys. I don't know if seafood is counted as organic, but I'm going to count it. Let's do a quick Mount Rushmore of seafood items. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm curious. So Albert and I had a separate discussion with, uh, with in a separate group chat about... This was oh. a, a few months ago about like top seafood, and it was a highly debated topic. So I definitely want to get uh, get Timmy your 
take on it and, and maybe our updated takes as well. So, oh. Timmy, I'll start with you. And if you don't just say fish, uh, if you want to say a fish, you have to say a specific one. Oh, okay? it's a specific fish. Okay. Yeah. So and what is one? What is the, that... does it matter on the preparation, the preparation of the item? No. Any, like, however you want to interpret this. And if, if you give a wrong answer, we'll, we'll tell you. <laughs> so it's not however I want to interpret it. <laughs> it's, I can try to interpret it and I'll probably I'll, I'll just wrong. tell you that uh, on a previous discussion, the versatility of the item uh, made a big <laughs> difference. So the versatility of item made a big difference. Okay. So if you're talking about just one way to prepare it, it it's we don't want like a one trick pony to make this Mount Rushmore. You know. Yeah, what but I mean? if it's if it's good enough as a one trick or a two trick, that's pony, true. It could, if it, it could still if make it's, it. If it's good enough, it can still make it. So give me one. Okay, so I will give a caveat. Um, okay. I ate a lot of seafood growing up. My dad loved seafood and didn't get to have it as much in his childhood. So as we were growing up, we ate seafood like. Oh. At least three times a week. Oh, um, connoisseur yeah, over here. Okay. At home. Um, however, my wife doesn't eat a lot of seafood. She's uh, Sharon is allergic to most shellfish and doesn't, uh. doesn't really like a lot of seafood. Um, so we eat some fish, but that's about it. So it's it's been a while since I've had much good seafood. Yeah. Um, I am gonna go with lobster as uh, one Oof. of my top top picks. Okay. Uh, since it's the line. first pick, we'll, we'll leave it in there for now. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> please, Wait, please defend this. I'm just asking why. I just think it tastes delicious. I think uh, and pretty <laughs> much any any way that it is prepared, I think it's great. Um, if you have it cut up and, and uh, stir-fried Asian style, it's amazing. If it's uh, just uh, steamed and you're having some butter on it, great product. Um, if you're having it in a lobster roll, delicious I, I can't really think of a bad way for lobster i would say steam uh, stir fried is probably my favorite way to partake in that what what do you think albert what's your favorite have you, have you had good boston lobster rolls i have but it's that price point is also ridiculous i mean price point for lobster is very high no matter what yeah so that that kind of brings it down in my book uh, but, price point for all seafood is is going to be high yeah uh albert are you a lobster guy I, I do like lobsters a lot, but I don't know it's my number one. I'm trying to think through this, so if you want to come back to me. Oh, okay. Well, okay, oh. so you get time to think about it, even though you guys have been talking about it. For, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily saying it's my number one. It is it is the first one that I'm thinking of that I believe should be on the list, though, but I okay. can be convinced otherwise. I will give my number one, then. Oh. Uh, my number one is oysters, and it is because of largely because of the versatility i think when we started talking about it i i felt like no bubba gump i felt like bubba gump just listing <laughs> off all the different ways that you can prepare oyster and i i think my favorite way is well speaking of tasty tales and riches in texas that is my go-to order there uh i get their overstuffed Lobster, uh, oh man, I almost said lobster. Oh. Over, overstuffed huh. oyster. Interesting. Po' boy, and uh, but my favorite way is probably just raw. Uh, I like their raw oysters as well. I feel like this is turning into one long ad for Tasty Tales. Yeah, uh, but but they are amazing. Hold on, hold on. So overstuffed oyster po' boy is a po' boy that is overstuffed with oysters right you're not stuffing yes. the oysters okay no yeah it's a okay so eat, it's, it's a very large po' boy okay so it's fried oysters is basically what you're saying there yeah and then you eat oysters raw and you eat them grilled in new orleans and then oh how yeah else, Char how, else yeah. Do you, how else do you eat oysters in the like seafood pot 
Cantonese style? Uh, you're okay. No? Not a favorite? Uh, no. No. I, I'm not I'm not in on oysters, but keep going. Oysters are pretty legit to me. Like, um, the, the raw ones that you get at really... Of course, this is at a high, really high price point. But those nice restaurants, whether it's it's actually on both coasts, but um, there's a couple restaurants in San Diego with amazing raw oysters. And I wasn't an oyster guy until I went there. Oh, yeah. It, it might be a time thing for me, not having those as often as I used to. I, I don't think I ever loved raw oysters, though. So maybe that's why it's yeah. it's uh, it's it's not on the top for me. But I mean, if we're talking about price point, you could get I don't know how many. Let's let's say buck fifty or let's say dollar per raw oyster. I mean, you, you, that's twenty raw oysters versus only a dollar. <laughs> only should pay a dollar. Yeah, where, where are you going? <laughs> come, on, come on, man. I'm just trying to bring an even number. No, if we're seafood here, you, you can't you can't go for a dollar for the oysters. Okay, well you can get ten oysters for one lobster though. Uh, yeah, but the lobster is much larger. Is it? It is. It is. The amount, even amount of meat, Even if it's just the, the tail, meat, it's already uh, like the same yeah. as 10 oysters. Yeah, the amount of meat in one lobster tail is greater than 10 you know, oysters. You know what else is really good about lobster, though, if you get lobster tail, is that it is really easy to get a large amount of meat from it. Because I think if, if you try to consider, like, crab or something in this yeah. conversation, or crawfish, like, you got to do a lot of work for a tiny bit of meat. But a lobster, at least you could just do one big thing on that shell and then... You had a huge chunk of meat there. You know what takes no work? Oysters. Crab oysters. is pretty up there, man. Crab? crab? Are, are, yeah, you, are you, guys, you putting that up there? Have you guys gone to, uh, have you guys been to Baltimore and got, gotten like the no. live crab? Oh my goodness. It is so good. Well, do, do soft shell crabs go in there too with the rest of the crab yes, family? Yes, for sure. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. So it's all, but you said I had to do a specific fish. How come I don't have to do a specific same, crab? Same with like fresh crab cakes. Ooh. Oh, crab okay. cakes. Good this, call. This whole, I mean, I, Good call. <laughs> I, I don't understand how this is a legitimate conversation anymore. Then I can just do fish. I'm going to pick fish. Okay, oh, you pick fish. You can, but you can have <laughs> one crab that, that covers all those foods. That Dungeness crab in San Francisco? I just oh, think there's a lot of work for crab. Crab, crab is up there, guys. The least amount of work with the great, greatest amount of taste. It's definitely scallops. Ooh, Ooh, scallops is a good one. Well, that's because we don't we don't physically do anything with the scallops. They just show up, right? Same zero, with oysters. Zero yeah. work. <laughs> but the that's price true. point for scallops, too. Super high. I would say, well, the... the, uh, the crab the, is going to be high, too. The counter to, to the price point thing is I've never had really good oysters unless they were expensive. What I about don't New know yeah, I mean, like if you get if you go to Acme or Dragos yeah. and you get a dozen, it's gonna be what two or three? Bucks? No, it's more. Thirty? It's that's not that bad for a huge plate. Yeah, so three, so two fifty for each, right? Uh huh. Charbroil. Okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, and then if you're gonna get like a plate of Dungeness crab with garlic noodles in San Francisco, I mean, that's like fifteen bucks. It's 20. 15 bucks for that? Yeah. Are you sure? And then if you go to if you go to Baltimore and you get like the really live crabs that they just get right there off the off the harbor, it's actually pretty cheap. It's a lot cheaper than I had expected. How cheap? 
I don't remember, but I've also never gone to I don't know like... if I believe either of you in your price points, man. Like, <laughs> I, I lived in Redondo, and we got crab, like, right there on the pier. That was not cheap crab. Like, how much was that? Maybe, like, 30 bucks. For, for what, pretty, like, uh, pretty for small unlimited? Co- no, for, like, a crab. No, it's definitely not 30 in Baltimore. Oh, for sure. California tax, man. For Sun- sure. Sunshine but, tax kills you. But another thing is, I, I mean, I've never been to Maine or Boston to get those lobsters or clams or whatever. So I can't really speak to that. I do know, like, you know, if if someone were to hold a gun to my head, I would say the pinnacle of crab in the States would be, like, Baltimore, Maryland. And then the pinnacle okay. of, like, oysters would definitely be on either of the coasts. Lobster would be northeast of lobster. So Maine and Boston, I've never gone. So... I mean, it's it's hard for me to really make like a a definite. Well, yeah, not, but none of us know. Then I mean, we just all need to go to the to the East Coast. Is basically but, what you're saying. But I would say I could have really good lo- uh, scallop at a good restaurant anywhere in the states. That's what you think. What if Scal- it's, what scallop if it's is like, super easy to cook? You can, you can have a really good scallop at home. Oh, you can also cook it poorly very easily. There's a very delicate thin line there. <laughs> yeah, you just aim to undercook, and and you're good. Yeah, scallops are are excellent though. However, they don't have much versatility. Yeah, do they? That is a good point. If they that's important to you. So right now we have lobster, oyster, crab, and scallop as the top four. Can anything topple that? We still haven't mentioned shrimp, or no. clams, or crawfish. No. And any fish? I mean, tuna, salmon. There's definitely no single fish that can, I mean, that can make the, make its way onto this list. I mean, sea bass at, like, the wedding is pretty good. Yeah, but that's that's one way, and it's super expensive. <laughs> what was that that place we went to in Irvine that was, like, eight bucks for lunch for the fish? That was really good. Eight bucks for lunch for fish Just in regular? Irvine? What is this? For is a sea bass, or what, what kind of fish? California Fish and Grill. I think. California Fish Grill, yeah. It's not 8 bucks. It's like 13 bucks. No, not for lunch, dude. Uh, there's no way I would pay $13 as a college student. It was at least 10 No. Incorrect. <laughs> there's no way to know now, because that was 12 years ago, so there's no way for us <laughs> to find that out. But yeah, pr- probably now it's like 12 13 bucks. Uh Yeah, that place is good. Um, yeah, I, I can't see any fish making on this list for that fact. Uh, shrimp, I think I, I would have used to say, uh, like in the past, I would have brought that towards the top of the list, same with crawfish, but the fact that I haven't eaten them much in the past few years, and, and Sharon has convinced me that they're disgusting because they're like tiny little bottom-dwelling, like if you look That's at like crawfish. videos or like, <laughs> shrimp or, like and crawfish are amazing. live <laughs> shrimp and crawfish, those guys are disgusting, man. but I guess lobsters <laughs> and crabs are pretty gross too. I mean, lobster is just a big crawfish, pretty much. Yeah, that's terrifying, but so delicious. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're, I think I'm I'm happy with that top four. I'm glad Wait. I didn't ask for just top one. So, is there? I guess there's there's nothing for like mussels or or squid, octopus. Those those guys, right? They're they're not versatile enough, or they get too slimy. I think mussels I just yeah, have see, a bad rap. Yeah, for me, I don't like the squids and the uh, texture. Uh, yeah, I just don't like that texture. Even in like Asian cooking, I I pick that stuff out. Yeah, probably just calamari. It, have you ever had like really good grilled, like char grilled octopus or squid? I actually Dude, did. That stuff it, is it, good. It, it, yeah, there's there's uh, there's some good ones, but I do agree. There's a lot of times if it's not cooked well or it's not it's got to be nice cooked place, like I, perfectly. Yeah, I probably just pick it out too. 
Okay, so lobster, oyster, crab, and scallop. That is the Mount Rushmore of seafood uh, that we are considering organic to fit into the question. <laughs> okay, thanks for the question, Shelby. And last question from Shelby today is, how long do you think the current sports culture will still reign as a primary form of entertainment? What could you see being the next sports entertainment in future centuries? Centuries? Jeez. What, is, what does he mean by the current sports culture? I, I think uh, this was made in the climate of a lot of backlash against the NFL, just in terms of Which injuries. Which is true. And, yeah. I mean, so, true. Uh, so, I mean, if we're talking 25 years from now, I think NFL is definitely at risk. But w- what do you guys think about that question? Do you think there will ever be anything in our own lives for just the three of us, for instance, that would trump what sports means to us right now so what did what did people care about like in the 1800s before sports became really popular their their livelihood staying alive yeah what what about the rich people what about the rich Rich people people? entertaining themselves with poor people trying to stay alive (laughs) i don't know yeah i mean it's hard to it's hard to uh maybe they would they would watch poor people fight each other Duel? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, you know, you still had gladiators. Col- Coliseum. Yeah. The gladiators. What did people do for fun back in the 1800s? Right. That's, 1800s so that's a difficult question. I, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like, if you were, if this question was, was given to us in the 1800s, we would have no idea that, you know, basketball, football, baseball, hockey, and all those sports were about to be invented just around the corner and i think it's the same with us like right now obviously the world is becoming more digital and more virtual so i think sports or athletics are going to move towards or geared towards that way because there is less injury Um, it is going to give more people an opportunity it's not about winning the genetic lottery and then i agree with mock like within the next few decades um, i think there's just going to be overwhelming evidence that football is, is just not healthy for not only healthy but it's something where it's we should just stop as a as like a professional sport yeah i was i was gonna say esports that was gonna be the the first one that came to mind i don't know when or how far that would that would go to where it could replace some of these live sports but i think even if we zoom in a little closer instead of deck uh, centuries say i don't know 50 years ago so i don't know was that 1970 what were like the dominant sports at that time? And I would I would say, you know, for the most part, some of the same overlaps from today, but like basketball was nothing at that point, right? It was baseball was gonna be the sport or boxing sure. was huge, right? And and those are, are are I mean, declining, I guess, over the years. And football had its reign, it seems like it's dropping a bit. Basketball has jumped up and now we got a host of other sports. So I don't know. I it'll be interesting to see what happens fifty years from now. Maybe it's maybe it's some of the smaller sports that haven't had their day yet. Hmm. That's a really good call, though, like looking back over time and how, you know, baseball and boxing back in the day. But you can't go too far back. Like 1800s, like they didn't even have light back then. <laughs> electricity, right? Like you just like at prime time, you just you just go to bed because. The yeah, there's no prime time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're you're right. Like esports are it's already huge and, and it's only going to be growing more and more. I don't know what we're going to do it when, you know, our kids just want to play video games all day and they can combat us by saying that they could 
do it for a living. So I don't know. It's true. All right. Well, thanks everyone for giving us a listen today to this pocket change. Special shout out to Shelby for all the questions for today. Thanks for keeping us alive. And if you're out there, everyone, please give us a like on Facebook. Give us a follow on Instagram. Find us anywhere. We're we're everywhere and anywhere. And uh, give us a review on iTunes if you get the chance. Thanks, guys.